Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course, my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted to sample the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to heal and get better in all areas of life. And I want to do it with you. Welcome to Heal Squad by Maria Menunos, where we improve and heal all parts of our lives, most importantly, our health. Heal Squad by Maria Menunos, your life improvement series starts now. Hello, hello, everybody. Our quote of the day comes from our guest. There is no magic cure for anxiety, depression, and traumas, as much as I wish there was one. It is a journey full of ups and downs, victories and challenges, but most importantly, toward loving and valuing valuing yourself and others as we are intended entirely and unconditionally. And that is from Zachary Levi, Hill Squad. Welcome back. We are chatting with the one and only Zach Levi about his new book, Radical Love, Learning to Accept Yourself and Others. And uh, it's all about his mental health journey. You guys might know him from Chuck or Shazam, all of the... Uh, Projects I loved him from. Also, his most recent was uh, playing Kurt Warner in American Underdog, which was amazing as well. So he's had a really great career, and now he is really devoted to this whole mental health journey and and you know democratizing mental health because he talks about how he spent so much money trying to get himself better. And he knows that that's not available to people in, uh, in most cases and said that that's why he wanted to write this book and why he really wants to share this information for those that can benefit from it. So I really applaud him because it's scary and hard to share anything in the health world uh, and mental health, especially, I feel like people are starting to break down those barriers. Uh, but I really applaud him for coming forth with this info and sharing this with everybody. It's really exciting. I guess like my first, you know, question is, was it scary to write this and what made you do it? Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. Going right for it. So yeah, it was it was it was scary, I guess, on some level. It's still kind of scary. I don't know. I mean, I don't I haven't I don't know what everyone's reception of the book is gonna be. You know, it has yet to happen. So 
Um, I hope that it's over at least mostly positive. I'm hoping that it's overwhelmingly positive. I'm sure there's going to be some people out there that are like, I don't get it or I didn't like it or, or, um, you know, even people like that I talk about in the book. I mean, you know, I talk about my family. I, I, I talk about my friends. I talk about my whole life and a lot of the things that I've been through. And so, um, you know, I share a lot. It's a real and raw, uh, vulnerable, uh, journey where I basically just talk about, how I had a complete mental breakdown about five years ago and then went into life-saving therapy. And that is a, that's a very vulnerable thing to go into, but I've also learned over my nearly 42 years of life on this planet, that vulnerability is a superpower. And the more we are able to allow ourselves to show our belly and be like, Hey, here's me. And Oh, wow. I've screwed up so bad. And look at all these things that I've done in my life the more that gets other people feeling more confident and safe to do the same. And we all need to do that because we're all struggling. We're, we're, we're all screwing up all the time. And that's okay because we, we're all on a journey of healing. Whether we know it or not, whether we want that to be the case or not, we're all on a journey of healing. Healing something, you know. Some of us have a lot more to heal than others. But so that's, you know, it is, a, I guess, a little scary to to bear all that. But I, I honestly believe... I, it's worth it. You know, Harper, the, the reason I even wrote the book was because I was I basically after going through all this crazy, amazing therapy on the heels of that still basically while I was finishing up that therapy is when I booked Shazam. And I always felt that I, I still to this day, I know that I wouldn't have booked that job had I not gone and done the real work first in that moment in my life. Because I needed to that was more important to go take care of my own heart and mind. And then Shazam happened because of that. And then when I was promoting the movie, I felt very compelled to tell everybody that like, hey, I this was all tied to me going and loving myself, learning to love myself in a new and bigger way, maybe for really for the first time in my life. And in telling that story on various podcasts, HarperCollins then was like, hey, we saw that. We think this could be a book. And so now it's a book. But I never set out to make a book or to write a book. I have a hard enough time reading books. So <laughs> I'd be sitting down and being patient enough to do this. And all the things that come with it is a very trippy experience, but one I'm super grateful for. Wow. Well, I'll tell you, I started this show after having a brain tumor and my mom having a brain tumor and us going on our health journey. And it was in that it was for the same reason. It's like, it's the quest to get better in all areas of life. It's the quest to find those new modalities. It's the quest to, um, you know, start attacking some of this stuff and sharing it. So it's like, it's my journey with everyone. So I always say we're better together. That's why the show is called better together. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the stuff that I've been hearing you, cause you know, I had a, you know, look through your Instagram, how to look everywhere to try to get bits and pieces. Um, but it is that journey of going into your traumas that we talk about here every single day, whether it's with an EMDR expert or a somatic yeah. therapy person. Yeah. I've had everyone on here because when you don't look at that, you don't realize how much it's running your ride and, and why your responses to situations is what it is. It's crazy. So I'd love for you to unpack that in, in, you know, your words and what you experienced and learned. Yeah. Well, basically, so like I kind of alluded to earlier, I, at 37, I moved to Austin. I had all of these, this head full of steam and dreams, and I was going to go change the world. And 
I don't know, live out my, my, my goals and dreams that I've had for many, many, many years. But in doing so, I basically, it was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. I had been running away from a lot of pain and a lot of trauma. Unbeknownst to me, I'd been doing this, but I was doing this nonetheless for a very long time in my life. And I had a complete breakdown. And I went to work with this organization that uh, operates in the Connecticut area. And they basically like, you go That's where I am. Oh, oh, you're in Connecticut. Okay, cool. It was beautiful, by the way. I went during October with all the trees and we're all yeah. changing color. I was like, this is so dreamy. <laughs> Except that I was having a total nervous breakdown. So I was like, dreamy, but I don't want to live. Like it was really, really darling. Oh, boy. Um, but um, anyway, so, you know, I go and stay in this home. And, I, and then every day for three weeks straight, I had like, they ask you, you know, what kind of program do you want to do? And I said, I want everything. I throw the kitchen sink at this. I don't, I got to the point where I basically did, I didn't, I didn't understand why I should live anymore. And it was the darkest place that I had ever gotten to in my life. And I had been to places like that previously, but this was, for whatever reason, it was the dark, dark. It was like, it was like, I could hear the lies that, that whispered to you, like, just give up. Like, it's not worth it anymore. Like, Everybody would be happier if you weren't on this planet, like those types of real lows and depression and anxiety. And, um, and so, you know, I said, what do you want to do? I go, well, I want everything. I want I, whatever. I don't, I don't understand why I feel this way. And I don't ever want to, I want to know why I'm here. And I want to make sure I never have to come back here. If, you know, if we can get to the root of that. And, um, and so my programming was intense. It was like every day I had three, uh, at least three sessions with, um, a smattering of a psychiatrist, a psychotherapist, a dialectic behavioral therapist, an art therapist, a meditation therapist, a life coach, uh, a nutritionist working out at the gym four days a week, Pilates twice a week, yoga twice a week. Like I was like, bring it. I need to. So I got a lot of different modalities that were served up to me in that time. And I learned so much while I was there, namely that I didn't even understand what it meant to love myself. I, it was, that was a huge light bulb moment for me when I was in Connecticut. Like, oh my God, I, I thought my whole life I loved myself and I don't even like myself. I don't, I don't even like hanging out with myself. And that, I'm still a baby in figuring that out. I'm only four and a half years into this you know, journey of figuring out how to love myself. So I'm a little baby. I'm a little toddler Zach inside, like, just like, dude, stop beating yourself up all the time. Wow. Now I, I know where to, you know, the the warning signs. Now I know what to look for. Now I know when I'm like harshing on myself and like being fearful. I'm like, oh Zach, oh, oh okay, there you go. See, now you're now you're recognizing these moments, and now you got to tell yourself, you know, kind of like what you were saying before. You don't even realize how you're not even in control of your ride because your hormones are flying around in you, your dopamine and serotonin and norepinephrine and all the other things that totally affect your mood and how you see yourself and how you see the world and how you see yourself fitting into the world. So I needed some massive, massive reset. And all of that stuff was very helpful. But I will say that there was one woman who was kind of like, you know, they have these, these, these uh, wonderful middle-aged women who are basically kind of semi-retired, but they were either wives or mothers or both. And they and they would be like a companion to you, basically like a, like a house mom to make sure that you were taken care of and you got to all your appointments because people who would go and work with this organization as I was were pretty much oftentimes down like you're you're a death's door in a lot of respects. You're you, you know, you're fighting you're, you're fighting to figure out why life is worth it. And so it's very difficult to depend on those people to drive themselves to all of their, you know, their therapy. And so anyway, I had this, you know, they would rotate through. But there was one woman and they were all incredibly lovely, but there was this one woman um, who uh, 
uh, in the in the book we we call uh, Beth, um, but she is she was an angel on my shoulder. She was basically she was a mom is a mom and a wife and a wonderful one of both and saw my heart and empathized with me and just loved on me like a mom, like, you know, my mom had passed away a few years prior and I could feel a mother's love through this woman and God's love through that and figuring out how to like kickstart my, you know, my starter, my pilot light to get my own self-love generating. And had I not, had it not been for that love and the prayers of this woman, uh, I don't know that all those modalities of therapy would have taken hold in the way that I needed them to, you know, that was all great clinical information, Mm -hmm. but you can learn everything that the book can tell you. You're not going to apply it to yourself unless you actually believe you're worth applying it to yourself. And you're not going to think you're worthy of applying any of that great wisdom to yourself if you don't first love yourself. And so there was a lot of, um, really gnarly, you know, things that I was learning deep, deep things. And, uh, you know, five years in, nearly five years in, I feel like I have made so much progress and I'm so much more proud of and happy with myself and give myself far more slack and love myself more. And, you know, I'm still a, a work in progress, but the book itself is really, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's layman. I mean, I'm not, you know, I say in, in, in the book, like I'm no, I'm no pastor. I'm no therapist. I'm, I'm not a professional uh, speaker on any of these matters, other than the fact that I think I've learned a good bit in my life and I've been able to digest it and metabolize it and be able to present it in a way that hopefully is something that is easily digestible and hopefully uh, and, and relatable. Well, hopefully not relatable. Hopefully plenty of people don't, haven't gone through the crazy and the fire that I've walked through. But if they have, I'm hoping to, you know, bring, come back and, and, and help pull them through those same flames because we can do it. We just we got to love ourselves through it. And we got to love each other through it, which is that radical love. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of 
snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of wonderful pistachios. You're going to love them. With summer upon us, friends, hair is going to be even more important. Yes, we've got humidity, we've got sun, we've got all kinds of things. And sometimes it's hard to find the right shampoo for your hair. Everyone's hair is so different and there's no one size fits all solution. That's why I love Way. They have different shampoos depending on your hair type. Want volume? Fine hair and conditioner will give you that extra oomph you need. If you need some moisture and a little extra bounce, find your happy medium with medium shampoo and conditioner. And for my peeps with thick hair like me, give your hair the hydration it deserves with thick hair shampoo and conditioner. Plus, you guys already know Way carries some of my favorite hair care products I use all the time, whether it's the leave-in conditioner, which is my go-to, or the hair oil. They give my hair this hydrating refresh all summer long. Wash your way to healthier hair. <laughs> See what I did there? With shampoos and conditioners made just for you. Go to the way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com. Use the code Squad for 15% off your entire purchase. That's theway.com, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com. Use the code Heal Squad. Your hair deserves it. So loving yourself. I, I had a similar experience where I realized, oh, I don't think I've loved myself. And it was at a Dr. Joe Dispenza meditation event. I don't mm. know if you've heard of him. I, I have. I'm a big fan of Joe Dispenza. Yeah. So we just did Joe Dispenza week recently oh, that's and I did a two-parter with him. I went to his whole event and it was like Cancun or something recently. Uh, I did the one in San Diego. Oh, okay. Okay. Got yeah. And so one of the meditations, something came to me and I realized I haven't been loving myself, but the thing with it is, is I don't think we're taught how to right from a young age. It's a comparison game and it's, you know, it's, especially for girls. We're never pretty enough. We're never skinny enough. We're never good enough. And so it's, you know, for guys, they're not strong enough. They're not manly enough. whatever it is. Sure. Guys yeah. have their bigger thing. Poison. Bigger poison. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you learn about how to love yourself? Because I'm finding that most of us have to see this later in life, like most things, right. you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, no one teaches you to take care of your health growing up either. It's like, go out, make a success out of yourself, be a winner, get yeah. all A's. And then shh, health yeah. slaps you in the face, whether it's mental health or physical health, you got slapped in the face with your mental. I got slapped in the face with the physical. I also had mental stuff I had to deal with too, like everybody. Oh, sure. And then but, and each begets the other too. You can have a lot of psychological trauma that leads to physical, uh, malady. You can have physical malady that leads to psychological malady, you know, uh, they are very interchangeable and very connected. And, you know, uh, the body holds trauma. There's some great books on that stuff. Mm -hmm. The body keeps the score. And, you know, in our gut, as we've now come to find out is our second brain and all that stuff's in there. And, you know, there's, there's lots of this, this jazz. And, um, you know, as you were saying uh, before, we haven't been taught very well. We haven't, you know, some people have. Some people, these really, you know, <laughs> hear me out, hear me out. There, there, there are unicorns. unicorns out there, <laughs> and these unicorns are products. Of, I believe, and I go into a lot of detail and uh, and and depth about this specifically in the book. But we are all products of our environment, all of us. Yes, there are some like crazy outliers that are born with some weird physiological 
kind of switch different, like a sociopath or a psychopath. But these are very small percentages of the population. By and large, everyone, we are all this very firm, you know, concoction of nature and nurture. And a lot of that is the nurture. A lot of that is what are you growing up in and around? What is the what is the environment? What is, what is the environment in your first in your own home, then the, with the rest of your family, then at school, then in your kind of community, then society at large? I mean, these are all things that shape us greatly, greatly, greatly. And unfortunately, society has not valued loving oneself. In fact, in a lot of ways, we, I think a lot of people have shied away from even beginning to understand it because it can very easily be twisted into, oh, you're about yourself or you're self-centered or you're a narcissist. That word gets thrown around a lot too. Although we need to be using terms like that because there are narcissists out there and we need to understand all these different things. But even they are a product of their environment. Everyone is a product of their environment. So yes, there are a few unicorns, I believe. I've, I think I've even met a few, uh, lucky enough to meet a few over the years that had incredible parents. And, and the reason why, and the reason why they had incredible parents is because their parents had pretty incredible parents, and so on and so forth. This is generational, one way or the other. You either yeah. generationally got some really great protection and guidance, or you didn't. And most of us didn't because most of our parents didn't because most generations prior to now gave two craps about mental health. It, in fact, we didn't talk about it. It was stigmatized, like, "Whoa, you go to a." shrink you go to a, what like you know i remember all the movies that we grew up watching in the 70s and 80s it was always a joke if somebody was at a therapist it was always a yeah. joke if somebody went to a shrink and you'd laugh about that but you know they were the ones that were kind of messed up everybody needs to go to a therapist every single person we all have yeah. to go and so i think this we have a great opportunity to finally at least in some respects totally change that stigma which i think we are doing a very good job at more and more people are talking about this obviously uh, and that's so fantastic. But we also need to recognize that generational trauma is really, really real. And therefore, we can have more grace with ourselves and, and more grace with others, recognizing that that jerk that cuts you off on, on the road. Like, I love all people, but bad drivers are, <laughs> are like, they're just... But I have to remind myself, that person acting a fool, being totally unaware of the rest of the cars on the road, whatever their situation is, they were led there ultimately. Now, mm -hmm. So you have to have empathy. Well, yes, of course, because empathy is the only thing that's going to save us. Yeah. We have to be able to willing, we have to be willing to look at ourselves and recognize that we are dum-dums just like everybody else. We are all broken these different ways. And some of us are a little more awake, a little more enlightened, a little more healed than others. But that doesn't give anyone cause or shouldn't give anyone cause to walk in arrogance. If anything, that should create more humility because you recognize, oh my gosh, I was once this person who saw even more darkly and now I can see more light. And what a blessing that is. And what an incredible uh, gift I can now you know, bring back to, to others, hopefully. That's what it should be inducing in all of us. But you know, that's a difficult thing to do. That's why, I mean, the, the book is a little, the title's a, it's a little redundant. <laughs> At least in my mind, it's a little redundant because I think love in and of itself, actual love is radical. I just don't think we think of love that way. Most of us are conditioned to believe in the more romanticized ideas of love, whether it's actual romantic love with a partner and whatever that kind of, 
you know, romance, fantasy, kind of all the all of the rom coms and 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 you know Cinderella stories we've been presented with, and all of the content that we've even been a part of making, all of these things, right? <laughs> you know, that's a whole idea that we got to unpack. Like, what is that kind of love? Yeah. Then also just how we love ourselves, how we love those directly around us. And then how I think then groups of people, we can learn to love each other, tribe to tribe, country to country, people to people in ways that we have not been able to do because we have to be able to look across whatever the aisle is and go, oh yeah, you're just doing the best that you can. With what you had. And with the tools that you have available to you in your life, in your society, in your community, in your home. And that is so radical. Good. We have to we have to radically accept, radically forgive, and radically love each ourselves and each other. But this does not, because a lot of people go, well, wait a minute, you know, what about these people that are doing wrong? Loving and liking are two completely different things. You can fully love someone and recognize the miracle of life that they are and still have firm boundaries with them and not appreciate what they're doing and not want what they're doing in your life. You can do that. It is absolutely possible. More than that, we can allow people to not constantly be shamed or at fault for what is going on in the world, but rather be responsible for what they are doing in the world. You know, like we just want to throw fingers around like, oh, well, it's their fault. This happened. Well, no, not really. They're acting in the way that they're acting because their parents were a big part of teaching them that that's the way you are. I mean, look at racism. It's a perfect example. That is learned. People, Kids don't come out of a womb and all of a sudden they're like, I don't like you because you have a different skin color. If anything, they're attracted. They're, they're, they're dazzled by it. They see each other. As, and, we need, and we all need to see each other like the five-year-old in each one of ourselves. We need to look down there and go, oh, look at that child with all that wonder and all that promise and all that love and sure kids can be little shits and still have their little selfishness <laughs> and all that stuff. But I do think deep inside that is, you know, every single one of us is, is a child of God and we have to see that. And if we can see that we can, we can look beyond all of the, the shaming and the blaming and we can start to embrace people as the miracles that they are and still hold people accountable and have boundaries. These are totally uh, doable things, you know? Oh my God. I really think you need to be a minister. That was so beautiful. I got chills 18 different times, Uh, but it's true because when, when I was at the meditation event, I just kept writing on my notepad, like love is the only answer. Oh my God. Love is the only answer. It was hitting me so intensely that we have to love people where they're at. And that is difficult. Like you said, but everyone is doing the best they can with the information they have. And I think that's so beautifully put. And I hope that people hear that and have that breakthrough because uh, we need it more than ever. As a first time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. (laughs) Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili.
Yeah. Yeah. We're more divided than ever for sure. And, you know, it's the irony is that these very devices that allow us to have this interchange and hopefully get this out and propagate this to more people and, um, you know, maybe it, it, it resonates with them. This is the, the very technology that's also dividing us in so many ways, the way to internet and algorithms and social media and their algorithms and all of us comparing ourselves to other people's fake curated lives and we can't stop it. And we're in, I mean, it's, it's so messed up, right? But it, yeah. we've got to be able to, to use this technology to, to hopefully, you know, have these other conversations and really point out like, <laughs> you know, it, love, love is, uh, I always thought it was very trite, like the Beatles lyric, all you need is love. I, I, I was, you know, thought like, sure. Yeah. But you also need this and you also need that and so on and so forth. But if you do philosophically, spiritually boil it down, there's only fear and love. The, the, all, all things, you know, can, can spawn from one of those two things. And we are operating out of far too much fear in this world. And I really do think that, not to get too spiritual or whatever, but I do think that what, there are two roads. And we either go down one or we go down the other. And we're in a you know, middle mixed bag. We've been in human history. We've been in a big mixed bag for a long, long time. But we do have these moments where we really solidly take a road of love, even as a collective people. And it's incredible the uh, effects that it has, that it resonates around the world. When, you know, like when man landed on the moon, when, we, when, when Buzz, Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong, and who's a Michael Collins, he always gets left out, I think. I, I, I think forget. Yeah, it's terrible. Anyway, anyway, you know, the whole world was in on it. Like the, all of a sudden, even like Russia and China, that, you know, everybody was like, oh my gosh, as humans, we are, do this thing is happening. Like this is crazy. And we go through these times of, of peace, but we're not loving enough because I don't think that we're doing actual love. You know, uh, to, again, not to get too spiritual, but like to quote a little Bible uh, really quick, a little Jesus real quick. You know, what is it to love those that already love you? That's not really love. That's a great sentiment. That's easy. But I mean, love is to love your enemy and pray for your persecutor. That's love. That's radical love. That's what it needs to be. We have got to be able to see the enemy, quote unquote enemy, and stop dehumanizing them, whomever they may be, have boundaries, disagree, do whatever we need to do to ensure that people aren't doing ill to other people, but still recognizing that they, they even the enemy, this villain, this monster that you've created in your head is deserving of God's love, is deserving of our love. And by the way, the only real way you're going to redeem that monster, that enemy is through love. You're not going to do it by shaming them and blaming them and pointing all the fingers. You can only do it by saying, hey, listen, you dealing with whatever, you know, bad things are going on in your life, we're going to have to possibly, you know, put you in a jail or a prison or whatever it is, but we're not going to give up on loving your soul. And look at the ways that people go do that in prisons. Even now, mm -hmm. for many years, there's a lot of people that are calling us to go into prisons and deal with people who have been on death row or whatever it is and say like, hey, you're not an animal. I don't see you as an animal. I see you yeah. as have made, having made a really bad decision or decisions that have put you where you are right now, but I'm not giving up on trying to evoke in you that you have actual tangible spiritual worth beyond even your actions and redeeming their soul in that regard while they're here, while they're still here. That's powerful stuff. And that's, that's radical love. Wow. So how did you start to love yourself? Like, are there tangible 
Oh, right. Steps somebody can take to love themselves because I don't think that you can. Well, hold on. I don't know. But I remember my aunt Lorraine would always say, you can't love someone unless you love yourself. You've got to love yourself first. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. I didn't know what that meant. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, so uh, yes, by and large, we definitely should take a page out of uh, the flight attendants uh, guidebook, which is make sure your mask is on before you're trying to put on anybody else's. You've got to be tending to your garden. You have to make sh- and that includes your fences, your boundaries. You have to figure out with that homeostasis within your own kind of bubble, your situation. And that requires uh, prioritizing yourself, not thinking of yourself as being greater than or more important than or whatever the things that would lead to hubris and arrogance or narcissism, but rather recognizing that you are only going to be the very best version of yourself to provide and to offer to this world, which is the gift that each one of us are. We are all an opportunity. We are all infinitely valuable and entirely unimportant in my opinion, but we're all infinitely valuable in our, in our ways that we could serve this world and make it a better place as a collective. But if we want to be the best version, most fruitful version of that, we've got to be healthy versions of ourselves and we can. And I think that, you know, so some practical steps of going and loving yourself, first and foremost, whether you think you need to go to therapy or not go to therapy, it's the, one of the greatest investments you can make in yourself because you don't realize how many things you're just holding on to, how many things are spinning around in your head that you could so maybe not super easily right away, but you can very much let go of that you can heal through the traumas that can be, you know, exercised out of your mind and your heart and your body. These are very important ways to invest in oneself, to love oneself. And then that also includes giving, you know, not feeling this necessity, this need to go and take care of everyone else all the time. Now, granted, different people have different responsibilities, mothers, fathers, you know, people have children. Obviously, there's your time is not always your own, but you have got to still, even then, you still have to prioritize some of your most important needs. Otherwise, what ser- what service can you provide to the rest of your family? Not your best. Not the, not the version of you that will help them the most in the versions of themselves, you know? So I think that's an important thing. I think therapy, therapy is a great way to invest in yourself. Um, I think prayer, meditation, uh, uh, movements, the gym, some kind of an exercise, you know, program, consistency schedule in one's life, eating healthier, valuing your vessel. That is a huge way to love oneself. And the truth is a lot of us don't. We, we don't realize that we're not because we think we're kind of treating ourselves with whatever our crap diet might be, whether it's like tons of pizza or tons of ice cream or both. If, you know, you might be me sometimes. Um, but And by the way, and I and go kill some pizza and go kill some ice cream. I'm not saying these are in and of themselves bad things. I'm saying we have got to prioritize our health, our mental, emotional, spiritual, physical health. That is loving yourself. Go do that and not at the expense of other people. That's arrogance and hubris and narcissism. And, and, and start to love and value yourself. And it's difficult. It's a process. A therapist will help you through it. They are, they're a good touchstone to be able to give you some actionable items, you know, because everybody's journey is going to be a little different, honestly. Mm-hmm. What actionable items might be for me would be different for you, would be different for many of the people that are, you know, going to listen to, to this podcast. So uh, professional help is always a, a great first step 
you know, in, in loving yourself, I think. Yeah. So you did your three weeks in Connecticut. Mm. Um, and then from there, what has your practice been to maintain? Uh, basically all of those things that I was referring to, you know, uh, and I I still struggle in, in those things. I am not some, you know, Dalai Lama enlightened, like I got all this, this has been gravy. I go through seasons and ups and downs. And I mean, in the book, I, I go into a lot of detail about essentially, you know, right before the pandemic, the book was as good as done. There was a, you know, a few more edits to be made. And, and we were, we were nearly to the finish line. And then the pandemic happened. And, you know, this was, by the way, you know, so I go to this incredible life changing, life saving therapy. I get Shazam. I do the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel right after that. My career, my life, things are just popping. I'm feeling great. Now, I've always felt great when I'm working. It, you, you, it, it feels good to have people like you and want to give you a job. And particularly if you're doing it well and people are like, oh, yeah, they're doing a yeah. good job. You know, you get the, that dopamine. I wasn't aware of that at the time, really aware of that until the pandemic hit. And all of a sudden I wasn't working. None of us were, but it wasn't even my fault. And I still was harsh on myself so bad. I couldn't just mm -hmm. sit at home and invest in myself. I, the idea of sitting and learning a language or an instrument or doing other productive things. that Winning the weight. What's that? <laughs> Winning the weight. <laughs> Winning the weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was so distraught and I was so, the depression started sinking in again. And I, I didn't realize I was going into a massive dopamine deficiency because I had been yeah. conditioned to do this so much in my life, starting with video game addictions when I was a kid, running away from my traumas and pains as a child, you know, that is all this hamster wheel you can find yourself on. Yeah. And I have since learned so much about these things, listening to people like, uh, um, uh, uh, Huberman lab. It's a great podcast. Other, other great, like kind of health hormone, like body hacking type of things. I've learned so much about all of that. And I've been able to deduce, oh my gosh, yeah, this is definitely a dopamine thing. I think, you know, more so than a, let's say a serotonin issue in my life, but I came crashing down in the, the big, the, you know, beginning ish of the pandemic. I, all of a sudden I, I fell to my knees again. And I was like, I can't finish this book. I can't write this book. This was supposed to be a I wanted to, you know, from suicide to superhero, literally. And now that now would be suicide to superhero back to suicide again. This is not the book that I need to put out into the world. How can I write about loving myself and helping people love themselves if I am still so struggling with it? That's so I had, to put it on, well, I had to put it on hold. And then I had to start really digging more into getting my routine back and working on myself and loving myself. And part of that was even going and talking to a psychiatrist about finally using antidepressants, which I had always had it an arm's length. I, I, that was the one kind of uh, line too far in, in my own judgment of myself, of my mental health. Of, you know, I think growing up, going to church and, you know, as a Christian and all that, you hear, mo if you're having depressive thoughts or suicidal thoughts, or you're having any, any real thoughts or emotions that are negative, chances are you were told at, at least once, if not multiple times, hey, that's a spiritual problem. You just need to pray that away. God will help, you know, relieve that. We'll pray. All these things. Now, I'm not knocking prayer and the power of prayer and manifestation. I think that's real powerful stuff. But guess what? God also gave us doctors of all different types to help us through these things. And if I had to get my leg, like, you know, if I broke my leg and they have to reset my leg, I'm not just biting down on some leather 
while they're pouring some, you know, moonshine on it. And I'm like, oh, do it. no, I'm going to have them put me under and they're going to do it because Lord knows we got this beautiful, you know, ability to do that. And in the same way, I finally buckled and I'm so glad that I did on giving myself the opportunity to at least try using antidepressants to just balance me back out to where I felt like a normal person again. And lo and behold, once I kind of figured out exactly kind of where I was, you know, neurologically and metaphysically, uh, uh, physiologically, uh, and realizing dopamine, you know, kind of adjusting my dopamine was probably the cause. Boom. Oh my gosh. I, I, I feel like I can be above the darkness and the clouds in ways that I was still, even when I would get up and do a lot of my routine and I got to the gym and I meditated and I was eating well and I, all of these various things, my biochemistry was still pretty hacked. It was still pretty gnarly. So that was a huge part of loving myself in that moment. And I encourage anyone else not to just go take antidepressants or any drugs for that matter. Be very careful about what you put in your body, whatever that is, but go talk to a psychiatrist if you feel like it's necessary and ask them about some options. If you're feeling genuinely depressed and consistently depressed, you know, they're they can talk you through. They'll understand if it's something that's just a passing thing that maybe you don't need anything any extra help for, or maybe you very much do need some help. I took a therapist and a few friends of mine consistently encouraging me, saying, hey, I was afraid too. Trust me, it changed my life for the better. It's so worth it. And then the therapist I was talking to, basically using the analogy of like, hey, Zach, imagine you're standing in a pitch black room. There's a stool. You can feel it. It's right next to you. And you know there's a light right above you, but you can't reach it without the stool. Mm. Imagine that those antidepressants, that's the stool. In order to get the lights on, at least just step up on that stool and turn the lights on. Now, you might be able to, after a moment or two, step off that stool and you're good. Or you maybe need to stay on that stool for a little while just to make sure that light stays on. But with the light on, you're able to, again, see yourself, the world, and how you fit into it far more clearly. And so that's definitely what it's helped me do. Wow. Well, you know, I have to ask because I had a friend who was on anxiety medicine mm. when they went to get insured for a production, the doctor was like, don't, don't put that down. They won't insure you. Mm. And another friend was denied life insurance because he had a psychiatric thing on his, his record. Yeah. Have you faced any of that? And is there any way to avert any of that? You know, uh, very grateful that I have not that I know of. I, I I don't think that that has been an issue. Um, but I will tell you, it was one of my biggest fears. You know, every time we sign a contract, there's always those questions of like, particularly the one that always stood out to me was, have you ever been hospitalized overnight for any kind of mental health issue? And I remember vividly, I was in Austin in the darkness, not knowing what to do. My buddy was like, hey, man, there's a there's a psychiatric ward of this hospital in Austin. Just go, just go. And I was terrified because I, I was like, if this is my only option, this is my only option. But what happens if they say, well, you need to stay overnight? Well, now I've got to put that on this form all the time. And is that very much going to be this like, oh, wait a minute, what? No, 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 you, you, we can't trust this guy. We can't put a franchise movie on his shoulders. He'll yeah. crack, he'll buckle to do whatever. I was legitimately terrified about it, but I was in a place where I had no other option. So I went and then I was actually presented after I, you know, 
talked to the social worker, God bless her. I mean, some lovely people working in this hospital, but um, it's, it's a very tough situation because, you know, they're seeing people with, with really acute problems like myself sometimes, and they don't know me from Adam. They don't know my, other than what I'm telling them, spewing out my life history. So like all over the place, my mom and my dad and things and that, and just bawling, crying. And this woman's like, well, listen, we have, there's one of two options. We can either, you can stay overnight for, you know, watch, or we can give you this, what was essentially like Benadryl uh, to just like calm you down. And I, I looked at this woman, these, these two women, and I was gobsmacked. I was like, I don't know that I want to live, but these are my two options. And one I'm so terrified of that. I don't think I can actually do that. And the other one is you, you send me home with a Benadryl. And I actually kind of, I like, in, I, I don't know that I audibly laughed, but I inside, even in all the midst of me not wanting to live, I had this weird, like, I don't know, like gallows humor. Like it was so like, this is really, and, but it also spurned so much in me of like, this has to change. We've got to be able to, I, unfortunately, I let my mental cavities get to the point of needing a root canal. We need to help people be brushing and flossing their brains and their hearts every single day so that we don't need that level of help. We, we, if we could have just normal, like, you know, weekly ability to just walk in off the street and talk to a, an incredibly wise, intelligent, empathetic person who can just help us to correct some of the bad stinking thinking along the way, we don't need, hopefully, we don't need to have the massive, you know, getting into all that later on down the road that's yeah. the goal you know that's i work with this um really incredible nonprofit called active minds and they are on like 500 plus college campuses and also i think 100 plus high school campuses around the country where they provide mental health um education and resources to all, all the students faculty um and uh but particularly with the students i just think it's so incredibly integral because you're grabbing these minds at such an important phase of their life. They are coming into their adulthood. They are leaving their parents' home with all of these ideas of who they think they are or what they, they're supposed to be. And if you can get to them early enough and be like, yo, 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 here's all the cool stuff that your parents taught you. Don't let go of that. Also, here's a bunch of stuff that you really ought to take a look at and maybe have a different opinion on or you know, switch your perspective because it's important that you understand how your brain and your heart and your body work together. And if we can get there, we can, you know, intercept those thoughts before they can take hold. Oh man, what an incredible world we would have. I really truly believe that every single problem that we suffer as human beings on this earth can all be rooted back to a broken heart and a broken mind, every single one of them. And if we can go upstream, go back to the source of all of those broken hearts and minds, we have no murder. We have no rape. We have no uh, theft. We have no war. We have no famine. We have no greed. We have. We don't have these things. We don't have people that are broken and then acting out of their brokenness, acting out of their unhealed trauma, hurt people, hurting people. We don't have that anymore because we've gotten to the source of the problems. And I love that Active Minds is you know very actively doing that on college campuses. And I think that that is just one of many many areas that we need to be diving into to go and help people get, you know, living not just individually better lives, but collectively, what a wonderful world we could be living in if we could do this for everyone.
This podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menunos or MariaMenunos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you. Any information or opinions expressed or contained herein are not intended to serve as or replace medical advice, nor to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury, and you should consult the healthcare professional of your choice regarding all matters concerning your health, including before beginning any exercise, weight loss, or healthcare program. If you have or suspect you may have a healthcare emergency, please contact a qualified healthcare professional for treatment. Any information or opinions provided by a guest expert or host featured within website or on company's podcast are their own, not those of Maria Menounos or the company. Accordingly, Maria Menounos and the company cannot be responsible for any results or consequences or actions you may take based on information or opinions. Well, that's it for today, Heal Squad. Before I let you go, I want to make sure you don't forget to take care of yourself today. I'll be making sure I'm not forgetting to get outside, do my meditations, and of course, keep myself fueled with some sweet, chili, wonderful pistachios. Wonderful pistachios, as you know, are my go-to when hunger strikes because they're one of the highest protein nuts providing all nine essential amino acids, and they're great for on-the-go snacking. So... When you're ready to elevate your snacking game, visit wonderfulpistachios.com to grab a bag 